This is exactly right. On the 12th season of Tenfold More Wicked, we investigate a series of compelling mysteries from the city of Fall River, Massachusetts, where problems started generations before Lizzie Borden's murders made her a household name. Join me as we cover the misfortunes that have befallen this infamous town for more than 150 years, including the Great Fire of 1843. Season 12 premieres Monday, May 13th on Exactly Right. Follow Tenfold More Wicked on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And welcome to my favorite murder, the mini-sode. That's right. We read you your stories. This time it's being videoed for the fan cult, right? Hi, fan cult. Hi. Hey. (laughs) Put makeup on just for you. So much eyeliner. (laughs) Nothing like going for weeks without wearing makeup and then sitting down with just a face full of pancake for this thing. I usually try to plan something after these because I'm like, what's, I'm not going to waste this face of fucking makeup. You know, it never happens. I never put makeup on. So if I'm going to do it, I'm going to use it. Especially to go all the way to the state of putting on eyebrows. That's a yes. real, like, you better get outside. That is the difference between my week, my weekend makeup and my weekday makeup is eyebrows. Yeah. Hey, you want to go first? Sure. All right. I'm not going to read you the subject line of this. Just starts... Hi, my name's Emily, and I'm a younger sister. And then in asterisks, it goes, Hi, Emily. (laughs) (laughs) My sister Jessica and I are four years apart, and growing up was exactly as you'd expect. In true little sister fashion, if I ever had the chance to hang out with, be talked to, or even be looked at by my older sister, (laughs) I would do whatever it took. In true older sister fashion, she knew this and would take advantage. On this particular day, she had no say in the matter, and we were forced to spend time together. Her mom was out running errands, which left our dad to entertain us. This resulted in him giving his seven-year-old and three-year-old daughters a bucket, a shovel, and instructions to go shovel up our dog Penny's business in the backyard. (laughs) Three-year-old! So they're like babies. The same dog that always got to be Jessica's pet when we played house, which left me with the cat, Garpy, who never wanted to play house and would always scratch me as I pulled him out from under the bed. (laughs) But I had no choice. If I wanted to play house, I had to have a pet. Jessica's rules. Anyways, we're in the backyard. My sister begins forming a plan on how she can make this experience worse for me and better for her. No more than 10 minutes later, my dad looks out the kitchen window to find my sister standing on top of the little tyke's picnic table, pointing to a pile in the yard with her shovel. As my dad watches, he sees little angel me running over to the pile that was pointed out, picking it up barehanded. (gasps) placing it in my sister's shovel, and and then she tosses it over the fence behind her. Oh, my God. (laughs) And as soon as it's gone, she points to another spot. I skip over to pick up Penny's poop, set it in her shovel, and again, she tosses it over the fence. What a kickoff to this mini So Yeah. There's a lot to unpack here. My sister, while as evil as she is, you have to give her credit. It takes a special kind of seven-year-old mind to come up with that. Me, pure, adorable, innocent, loyal, no notes. (laughs) Our father starting to make sense where my older sister got this evil side from as he did nothing to stop this and let it carry on until the backyard was spotless. 
When he tells the story now, he says that he was just truly impressed and couldn't bring himself to stop what he was seeing. I have so many other stories like this one as we were growing up, but I'm happy to report that we are now best friends and have gone to see y'all live both times you were in Dallas. Hmm. And I could bet real money that she's crying over this being read by y'all right now. Hey, Jess, I did it. I sent in the email. <laughs> stay sexy and stay strong, younger siblings. You'll eventually wear those older siblings down and we'll become friends, Emily. That is so true. That's <laughs> hilarious and terrible at the same time. Truly disgusting. Ugh. Okay, this one's called, Do You Want Fries Without Murder? Hello, MFM family. On my 16th birthday, I accepted a job at the local McDonald's, a pretty normal rite of passage for teens in the area. I like that they phrase it, I accepted a job. <laughs> right. They put in their bid and I accepted the offer. <laughs> One day, the police came into the store, not unusual. We were often walkie-talkied by the police to delay customers who they were coming to arrest. Mm. One of the few thrills of the job. But this time, they asked to speak with me. My little heart thumping and my head racing, trying to think about what I might have done, we headed to the office. The conversation was pretty eventful, as I was still a minor and they needed to arrange an interview and my parents were present. The police came to my house and sat down with me and my mom. They pulled pictures out of a file that showed me on CCT at the front counter of McDonald's serving customers. In the blurry photo, two girls stood leaning on the counter talking to me a few minutes after we'd opened the store at 6 a.m. The police asked me if I could remember anything about that day. Months had passed since that morning, and being a teenager on the early shift, let's be honest, I was probably hungover. I had nothing to offer them. I don't know what they were writing down, but they proceeded to write notes on the zero information I could give them. My mother shouted at them for not using a mat and scratching the table, a moment I've always treasured. The police started to elaborate on why they were here. The girls in the photo, who were friends of my friends, had committed a grisly murder just two hours before they came in for their McBreakfast. Murder sure does work up an appetite. They acted normal, nothing to trigger the murderino in me, no dots of blood or shaking hands, just two hungry teenage girls. The body of a local teenager was found on a country road in his car one morning. He was a happy-go-lucky type of character and had a passion for DJing. The story goes, one of the girls performed sexual acts for him in exchange for money earlier in the day. They had bought alcohol and gone on a daytime bender before meeting up with him again later that night. The police found texts between the girls encouraging each other to start the attack with the knives they'd taken from their home. Good. They had directed him to a remote area, then swiftly took turns to stab him. They'd ran home to shower off, bragged to their housemates, and shown photos they'd taken, then headed into town for some much-needed McMuffins. The girls were rounded up pretty quickly after all the bragging, but not before a good breakfast served by yours truly. Love, Jasmine. Classic hometown that we always ask for. Pretty dark. Yeah, pretty dark. If you're like me, you're always looking for a story to dive into. Whether it's a family drama or a mystery to solve, the key to getting hooked is the details. I need rich visuals and intricate storylines, and June's Journey has that and more. June's Journey is a mobile mystery game that follows June Parker, a daring young woman, on a quest to uncover the truth about her sister's murder. This is your chance to test your detective skills because you'll play the game as June herself. Explore beautifully designed scenes from the 1920s, like lavish estates and gardens, and don't forget to keep an eye out for hidden clues. There are twists, turns, and catchy tunes, all leading you deeper into the thrilling storyline. And if you play well enough, you could make it to the detective club. There, you'll chat with other players and compete with or against them. June needs your help, but watch out, you never know which character might be a villain. 
Shocking family secrets will be revealed, but will you crack the case? Find out as you escape this world and dive into June's world of mystery, murder, and romance. It's all just one tap away. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. That's June's Journey. Download the game for free on iOS and Android. Goodbye. Georgia, have you ever been blown away by the most simple dish at a restaurant? Like perfectly scrambled eggs? Oh my God, yes, Karen. And then all I want to do is make that dish at home and eat it every day. Well, you probably could as long as you have the chef's secret ingredient, Made In Cookware. Made In was created to bring restaurant quality performance kitchenware to home chefs around the world. For years, they've built their business by supplying restaurants and top chefs with high-end cookware. Some of Tom Colicchio's most treasured dishes at his restaurant craft are made in Made In. Whether you're cooking for professional critics or just the critics you live with, your meals will benefit from the quality of made-in products. Like their carbon steel cookware, it combines the best of both cast iron and stainless steel clad, so it's rugged enough for grills or an open flame. It's the MVP of summer cookouts and cook-ins. What I really love about made-in cookware is that it actually makes something like having a Memorial Day barbecue much more convenient because you can keep everything on the grill if you need to throw, say, a pan of garlic up on the top while you're grilling your steaks on the bottom. It's strong enough, durable enough to do that. If you want to take your cooking to the next level, remember what so many great dishes have in common. They're all made in, made in. Save up to 25% this Memorial Day from May 18th through May 27th when you visit madeincookware.com. That's M-A-D-E-I-N cookware.com. Goodbye. I'm not going to read the subject line of this one. It just starts, Hi, Karen in Georgia. I just finished listening to Karen's story of Felix uh, Caraval racing at the Olympics, and I thought you might enjoy hearing how my great-grandfather kind of randomly won an Olympic gold medal. At the 1928 Olympics in San Moritz, Switzerland, there were two American teams entered in the five-man bobsled race. However, there was a small problem of the five-man teams only having two men each, a driver and a brakeman, and not enough teammates to fill out the middle. So the U.S. team placed ads in newspapers inviting Americans living in Europe to try out for the team. My great-godfather Joffrey was studying in Germany at the time with his wife and their two daughters, my grandmother and her sister. He responded to the ad, and without being given a physical and having zero bobsled experience, he was invited to join the team. When he got to San Moritz, the hotel where the American team was staying was full, so he ended up bunking with the Canadian hockey team. The American team wasn't planning on practicing over the next few days, so Joffrey ended up practicing with the Polish bobsled team, who was down a member due to illness. The race was held on the last day of the Olympics, and my great-grandfather was assigned to American bobsled number two, which was nicknamed Satan. Satan and my grandfather ended up coming in first place, beating out the other Americans' bobsled by 0.5 seconds, with the Germans coming in third. Apparently, there were no podiums for the victors, and no music played when the flags were raised. And if Olympic official found Jeffrey in the crowd and handed him a box and just said, here's your medal. The wife of one of the Canadian hockey players suggested that my great-grandfather take home the American flag from the closing ceremonies as a souvenir, which he did. So that's the story of how my great-grandfather bunked with the Canadians, trained with the Poles, won with the Americans, and never touched a bobsled again. Stay sexy and live with the confidence of a straight white man (laughs) trying out for the Olympic sport he has zero experience in, Marina. (laughs) That's a good one. Classic grandpa or godfather.
it feels like it's only recently they started making rules for things like that. It was <laughs> before it was kind of like first come first serve Olympics. Yeah. This one's called the classic badass grandpa story. Hello, Karen, Georgia, and the menagerie of murdering out associates, both human and pet. For years, I've been trying to get myself to focus long enough to write a hometown. Should it be about my great-grandma who was a radium girl? Or mm. about another great-grandma that was a victim of Charles Cullen, allegedly? After finally pushing through the pandemic brain fog, I decided on a good old-fashioned, lighthearted, badass grandpa story. My grandpa on my dad's side passed away when I was three, so I only really ever got to know him through family folklore and Google searches. I've always loved hearing stories about him, but this one is hands down my favorite. For some context, my grandpa, Augie Leo, was a professional football player in the 1940s. It says, think leather helmets and daily concussions. <laughs> and well-known in the area, especially in the New Jersey town that they lived in, Clifton. After retiring from football, he became a sports writer with his own column at the local Herald newspaper. If he wasn't covering a game, he had a pretty regular schedule in the office. One day, he decided to leave the office to have lunch at home and unexpectedly found someone robbing their house. Luckily, my grandma and dad weren't home. Needless to say, he was pissed. Mm. The man robbing the house tried to climb out of a window in their tiny Levitin-style 1950s ranch, which my grandpa promptly pulled him right back through. <laughs> As a kid, I was told, quote, grandpa dragged him to the other side of the house to call the police. As an adult, I understand that as grandpa beat the shit out of him while dragging him to the phone to call the police. Once the cops were called, my grandpa proceeded to bring the man outside and sit on him on the front lawn until the cops got there. You may be asking, did this man try to press assault charges against my grandpa? And my answer would be, yes, yes, he did. Did I mention he had been released from jail earlier that day? And it says the robber, not my grandpa. Obviously, the cops took him right back to jail. Anywho, thanks for reading this much longer than anticipated email. Binging every episode of MFM has kept me sane, especially through the pandemic, during 14-plus-hour car rides from Nashville to New Jersey and back, and during work. You even taught me about important historical events that schools won't teach. I'm looking at you, Tulsa Race Massacre. Thank you a million times for being so authentic and open and giving us murderinos permission to feel a little less weird about our fascination and love of true crime. SSDGM, Jamie. Wait, so the, her grandfather did that, it was the late 40s? Did I get the year wrong? I think he, it was the 50s, I think, because in the 40s, he was a football player. So it's probably oh, the 50s okay. or 60s. So this is when he was like a husband father? Yeah. Yeah. That's hilarious. Yeah. Someone's breaking your house. You're like, that's fine. I'm just going to beat the shit out of you. Yeah. Must be nice. Must be nice. This email just starts... Hey, yo. It was Christmas Eve, probably around 1978. My dad had called home to tell my mom that he was stopping by the office Christmas party, then heading to confession, like all good Catholics on Christmas Eve. Right, Karen? He would be home in plenty of time to head out with my mom and sisters to my aunt's Christmas party that night. My mom waited and waited for him to come home, knowing how my Irish dad could linger at parties. As my mom was starting to really worry that something happened to him, the police called. Her worry turned to fury pretty immediately. As it turned out, my dad had really enjoyed the office party and was pulled over by the police and arrested for drunk driving on his way to confession. My very Italian mother told him to have a nice night in jail mm. and hung up on him. Furious, she loaded my sisters into the car and headed to my aunt's house. <laughs> 
When my mom and sisters walked in the door at the party, everyone started asking about my dad. My mom, somewhat rightfully, told everyone that he was in jail, and for all she cared, he could rot there. And then in parentheses, it says, yes, she felt this, despite how deeply she loved him. (laughs) After about an hour, my mom and aunts realized that all of the uncles were missing from the party. They weren't in the house. They weren't drinking out back. They were simply gone. It took some time to figure it out, but ooh boy, if everyone thought my mom couldn't get madder, they were wrong. Without telling each other, the uncles had one by one (laughs) slipped out of the party and gone to bail out my dad. (laughs) They were all surprised to see each other at the jail. (laughs) With my dad successfully bailed out and knowing that they would all be in deep trouble if they returned to the party, especially my dad. Instead, they went to a bar. Oh my God. (laughs) And continued drinking. These are my kind of people. God bless wives of the 70s and 80s. (laughs) When my mom retells the story to this day, she clenches her teeth and says, oh, I was so mad at him. So (laughs) mad. My dad died when he was 37, Mm. tragically and unexpectedly on the job. That's so young. I know. My mom was a 32-year-old pregnant widow with a three-year-old and a nine-year-old. How she got through it all, I'll never fully understand. I'm so grateful to my entire extended family that keeps my dad alive through the many, many stories they tell. My dad's untimely death has pushed me to take chances and do my best to make him proud. It doesn't hurt to know he's always got my back. Stay sexy and don't get drunk on your way to confession, Katie. Oh, that is hilarious. I love that. I love that they all didn't know that the other was going, that it's so cute. Hey, Karen, you know that feeling when you're stressed out and your heart starts to pound and your mind is racing? I do. I know it well. Well, while there's no cure for stress, therapy can help shape your response to it. And since May is Mental Health Awareness Month, there's no better time to try Talkspace. When you sign up for Talkspace, you'll receive a personalized match with a therapist or psychologist, typically within 48 hours. Forbes rates Talkspace as the number one online therapy platform, plus their licensed professionals are in-network with almost all major insurance companies. Once you meet your therapy goals, or if you want to cancel for any reason, Talkspace will provide you with a prorated refund for unused time. I feel like these days people understand the importance of therapy, but the difficult part is just taking that first step. It took me months to make my first therapy appointment. I was so scared. I had a lot of ideas in my head about it. And that's why I think Talkspace is such a good idea because making it so approachable will just get you there sooner. Then you can actually get in there, figure out what you need, talk to an actual professional and be on your way to solving some stuff that you might want to solve. To celebrate Mental Health Awareness Month and the power of talking it out in therapy, Talkspace is offering our listeners $80 off your first month with promo code SPACE80. Go to Talkspace.com slash MFM and use promo code SPACE80. To match with a licensed therapist today, go to Talkspace.com slash MFM and enter promo code SPACE80 and get $80 off your first month and show your support for our show. That's Talkspace.com slash MFM. Enter her promo code space 80. Goodbye. Okay. This one's called three little kids or not. And it says, you know what? It's been a long time coming. Let's dive in. Mm. My name is Aisha. I was born and raised in Dubai, but my hometown is India. This story takes place in India. It's not my story, but my uncle's. He was in fifth grade living his best school life. I'm really bad with dates. So I'm not even going to try to remember the year, but it was a long time ago. Back when parents let kids get kidnapped, eat grass, and drink pee, I don't know. (laughs) Eat grass. (laughs) One day, my uncle and and four of his friends got back from school around 4 p.m. and decided to stay out and play. 
Around 11 p.m., they wanted to play hide and seek, which, look, listen, I don't trust myself to play hide and seek in broad daylight. I don't know why on earth you'd play in pitch darkness. Anyway, keep in mind, he is in India. And if you know India at all, green is our motto. The entire land is covered with trees and forests. As my uncle continued to search for his friends in trees and bushes, he heard little kids giggling behind him. He whipped his head around, giving himself a whiplash to find all three of his friends laughing, hiding behind a tree. They started to run and my uncle ran after them. Those three friends stopped running in front of a giant, very deep pit. Looking back at my uncle briefly, these idiots jumped into the pit. (laughs) My uncle, puzzled and confused, told them, don't be ridiculous, you can't get back out and I'm not helping. The three friends laughed and asked my uncle to join them. Irritated, my uncle just said, find yourself a way out, I'm walking home. That being said, he left. And then it says, best friends forever. (laughs) He reached home, opened the front door, and stopped in his tracks. He saw in the living room all three of his friends calmly sleeping on the floor. It says, dun, dun, dun. My uncle calmly walked up to them and woke them up to ask what I would assume is, how did you get in before me and have zero mud stains on you? Turns out his friends were here since after they left school as they decided on a sleepover the prior day. As far as the conclusion would go, I don't know, but my family and I are Muslims and are religious. In our religion, we believe in an entity called jinns. That's Mm J-I-N-N-S. I guess they stand somewhere between angels and devils. I'm not an expert. It's said that jinns can take the form of people. My uncle believes that it was an evil jinn trying to trap him inside that God-forsaken pit. (sighs) Ooh. Or he was just delusional playing that late at night. Stay sexy and grow the F out of hide and seek, damn it. Best wishes, question mark? Aisha. So basically, the kind of thing a gin would do would be like, come over here. It's a great idea to jump into this pit. And then you're down there and like, oh, where did my friends go? Totally. I feel like every religion or every, you know, ethnicity has some sort of like evil spirit like that that tries to trick you. Yeah. Creepy. There's a movie also that came out last year called The Gin. Oh. D-J-I-N-N. And it actually got 86% on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, wow. It's a horror movie about just that very thing. Oh, shit. That's crazy. I'd never heard of it. A mute boy becomes trapped in his apartment with a sinister monster. I mean, come on. Learn about it. (laughs) That batch was real story time. We went out on some real distant branches on that one. <laughs> we really did. It went <laughs> this way, it went that way, up and down. It's all relevant here at the mini-sode, please. That's right. Send in any story you feel like telling us. Absolutely. And stay sexy. And don't get murdered. Goodbye. Goodbye. Elvis, do you want a cookie? This has been an Exactly Right production. Our senior producer is Hannah Kyle Crichton. Our producer is Alejandra Keck. This episode was engineered and mixed by Stephen Ray Morris. Our researchers are Maren McClashen and Sarah Blair Jenkins. Email your hometowns and fucking hoorays to myfavoritemurder at gmail.com. Follow the show on Instagram and Facebook at myfavoritemurder and Twitter at myfavemurder. Goodbye. Follow My Favorite Murder on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen so you don't miss an episode. If you like what you hear, rate and review the show. Visit exactlyrightstore.com to purchase My Favorite Murder merch.